Where do you think you're gonna put a tree that big? Bend over and I'll show you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to I Do Movies Badly, a podcast exploration of my cinematic ignorance. I'm your host, Jim Rohner, and despite being an amateur film critic since 2006, I am woefully ignorant of many films, filmmakers, and genres that consensus has deemed important, and thus I've created this podcast to document my journey into cinematic edification. This month, I'm exploring some foreign language Christmas films as recommended by Alonzo Duralde, and in this week's episode, I'll be wrapping up the theme, wrapping up the month, wrapping up the year at I Do Movies Badly with Christophe Honoré's 2006 film, Don Paris, uh, which I believe in English uh, from French translates to Inside Paris. Um, but yes, this is the last episode of I Do Movies Badly for the year. I'm going to preempt uh, all your questions and say I do not yet have a theme or a guest lined up for January. Um, it's been a busy month, busy holiday season. I've been a little bit behind on some things, but I will eventually secure both a guest and a theme, so as is always the case, please do pay attention to the I Do Movies Badly Facebook page to get a sense of what is developing and what is going on and what will be coming in the future. So, Don Perry, I'll I'll be completely honest with you. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. Really didn't care for this movie. This was uh, the first movie in a long time in the history of this podcast that I wanted to turn it off before it was even done. Uh, Shortly around the time that um, Paul and Anna are having sort of an improvised um, sing-along with each other over the phone... Uh, was about the kind of time that I kind of wanted to turn it off because I was just sort of sick of all these characters and everything that they were doing and involved in. It started out promising enough. I I liked, uh, you know, Jonathan addressing uh, us directly and uh, sort of correcting the story that was being told and being kind of very self-aware of, listen, I'm the narrator now, but once the story starts, I'm just going to be a character in the story. But then he would occasionally sort of interject to sort of correct it, like, no, I didn't slam the door that hard. Let's do that again. And then we'd replay the same scene where he closed the door in a different manner. Um, but that, well, I, that kind of set up, like, I, I think this, I thought this was going to be a fun, uh, a, a light film, you know, bring some levity to this idea of a film that was going to uh, grapple with some heavy stuff, which is mainly depression um, and and kind of being existentially lost uh, and, and how that is sort of exacerbated around the holidays when you're back together with your family with this season of light and season of joy and giving and such. Um, but then that trope was kind of dropped uh, partway through the movie and it wasn't returned to. And what, what was set up as this idea of, of, you know, don't trust me, I'm going to be the unreliable narrator, uh, instead just kind of became... Um, well, it, it did still lay that groundwork of don't trust me, I'm unreliable. Uh, but then there was no course correction when it came to Jonathan's character uh, because it was basically just kind of like, oh, you're going to be mis- uh, mischievous. And then it does turn out that he's mischievous, but he's also kind of an asshole because he keeps neglecting his brother to have sex with random women. And then that's it. Uh, I, I mean, I guess they do have a touching scene with each other at the end, but it was just sort of, I, I, I won't say that I was waiting for him to be redeemed uh, the, the film kind of sets up who these characters are within the first 20 minutes and then we just watch them kind of be that and then that's just sort of it and then it ends um and i i guess i i can't 
honestly tell you what I was expecting or what I was hoping for or, or what I would have liked to have seen instead of what we got. But it was just uh, I, I'm not even opposed to the idea of following troublesome characters or despicable characters. I mean, look no further than the first film uh, of this month, um, A Christmas Tale, in which from scene to scene, from shot to shot, the characters, are, our allegiance to them or our feelings about them do seem to change and flux and you you know you might be at the same place of with you know thinking of one character at the end of the film than you were at the beginning of the film but it was a roller coaster and you went back and forth in order to get there and um it was just this idea of um acknowledging that there are complicated characters that have complicated feelings about each other and that generate complicated feelings within us and I was sort of uh, waiting for more of that because of the the opening few minutes where you do see Paul and Anna's relationship kind of crumbling. Um, And yet you do have uh, some complications and nuance in that in the sense of like, uh, it really does seem like Paul is kind of disgusted by Anna. Um, And yet Anna keeps trying to not even to bring him back in, but is just at least more aware that love implies more than just always feeling happy, that love does imply compromise and sacrifice and days when you might just really dislike the person that you're with but there's always love there working on it and trying to get back to a spot where each other are 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 seen as as equal partners in this engagement and it does seem like i don't think it's ever specifically hit on but it does seem like um anna is the one that leaves paul uh because of him being the way that he is, and then he wallows in depression uh, for the rest of the film because of it. And, and I don't want to say that nonchalantly as though depression is something to laugh at or not to take seriously. Um, but I think that the way that uh, the filmmaker offers up an explanation for, or not an explanation for, but a route for why these people are the way that they are is dishonest or cheap because the film seems to want us to believe that the reason that Jonathan is uh, promiscuous and the reason that uh, Paul is at his heart a miserable person or an unhappy person and uh, at the heart of the parents' divorce is this specter of the death of a sister and daughter that happened long ago that we never see, but is just kind of hinted at. The film seems to offer that up as an explanation as to like, well, here's why these people are the way that they are, almost as though we're supposed to give forgive them for that. And yet it doesn't work. It certainly doesn't work. Well, it doesn't work for me. I think because of how late it's introduced and how little time they spent on it, we just kind of spend time with these people who are troubled without explanation. Well, I should say, uh, for the most part, without explanation until there's kind of a hint of an explanation given, but that doesn't seem enough. And then we just kind of sit with them for a little bit more and then the film ends. And once again, I'm not opposed to troubled characters. I'm not opposed to complicated characters. I'm not opposed to just sitting with these people that are complicated and, and, and have complicated relationships with each other because a Christmas tale did that and there was a route for it a lot of times and the journey that these characters went on 
while acknowledging it and having to explore it was for the most part interesting. You, you might remember I had some quarrels with that film, but overall I thought it was a very good film and dealt with complications in a very um, masterful way. And in this one, I don't know. It, it, it's weird because it's I, I don't get the sense that uh, Honoré dislikes his characters, uh, but I also don't get the sense that he's kind of trolling us with them. It, it just sort of, it, it's a movie that just sort of is. That I, it, it's, you know, I, I always want uh, a film to be great. I will even kind of be uh, satisfied if a film is terrible, because at least it gives me a visceral reaction and something to respond to. And yet Don Perry uh, was just kind of boring and forgettable to me. And, and I find that more of an unforgivable sin, if you will. Like, give me something to really respond to. And which I, I realize is kind of ironic because I'm, I'm here now doing a uh, podcast episode responding to it. But it's also because this was, this was assigned to me. And, and if this was, um, you know, if I had any say in the matter, which is not to say that I'm uh, spiteful towards Alonzo for recommending this to me, but this was, you know, part of my assignment is to respond to this movie, and so I'm responding to it, but acknowledging that if I uh, had seen this movie on my own, if I had just, you know, sought it out on my own, was, you know, flipping through Hulu on a Saturday afternoon and came upon it, I would have probably immediately forgotten about it afterwards. There, There's nothing, there's not a whole lot for me to respond to in this movie. I didn't really care for it there wasn't a whole lot of substance that i enjoyed um and i you know so much to the 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 extent that i didn't even really take notes for it i'm sorry peek behind the curtain but it is uh christmas and there's a lot of stuff going on so i I, i'm just kind of i i didn't even want to spend too much time delving into it and thinking about it and also i mean uh searching online there's not a whole lot of supplemental stuff about it i even went to my old go-to's you know i went to RogerEbert.com to see if at the time it came out he had written a review i uh went to see about you know on, on the wikipedia page to see if there's any more information there the imdb trivia section there wasn't a whole lot there um i even went to rotten tomatoes and looked up um you know the top critics reviews and even some regular critics reviews and Almost without exception, I, f I found one. The reviews that are linked to are, are no, no longer even exist. And, and that's not to say that this film is nothing. It just meant that I, I you know, I, there wasn't a whole lot for me to kind of dig into more of to kind of explore my feelings on it. And I found at the end of the day, I didn't really mind that because I didn't think of it as a film that was worth exploring more. Um, It, it was it was. It, it, I guess it, it did, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, upset me a little bit because this is a, a Christmas film and, and you know, uh, similar to the, the uh, or at least with the two films that had been previously recommended and discussed, there was a, you know, while they weren't the, the typical merry and bright sort of Christmas films, it was, you know, Christmas was at the heart of it, was at the narrative, was the inciting incident, was something that um, the characters could respond to and that... Um, set me as a uh, a viewer on a journey in which I sort of had to not even reevaluate, but sort of um, recognize what my relationship to the holiday is and how these different people from these different cultures responded to it in a different way. And in this one, um, Christmas was sort of just window dressing. 
you know, Jonathan certainly, um, you know, wants to, you know, hang out with his brother and go down and see the Christmas windows at the store in this neighborhood. And I guess you could respond and say, well, but that's the thing. When you're dealing with someone who is depressed, who is not present or, or, or not capable of kind of being present in the same way that we are, of course, he's going to respond to things differently. And so if you want to to hypothesize that we enter this film and we experience it through Paul's POV because he is, you know, one of the first people we see, him and Anna, then of, of course that's how the film is going to feel. Then it's going to feel like Christmas doesn't matter, that all that matters is, is sort of the, the misery and the depression because that's what depression does. It makes it all about itself and it does so much to try and, and perpetuate itself and to justify its own existence. And that's valid. But this film also has a lot of levity and, and, and doesn't seem to wallow in the misery, so I can't even say that emotionally this film reflects Paul's mental state that well. And I mean, thankfully so, because I, you know, I... Just personally, I, I, di I didn't want to see something that was going to be super uh, upsetting and, and, and depressing. But there's just kind of a weird levity which I would say contradicts an idea of this being from Paul's POV and, and, and from if it was, the film was supposed to be coming from Jonathan's POV he's not a character that I want to spend a whole lot of time with he's not a character that I want to really know more about his worldview and so the, this film was kind of light and airy and forgettable and that gets me here where I, I don't have a whole lot to say about this movie um and so recognizing that I'm, I'm not going to waste any more of your time uh talking about uh a movie that i didn't really respond well to because i don't want to bloviate and i don't want to bore you um but seeing as it is the last podcast episode of the month of the year um i figured i i at least i i take a little bit of time and, and sort of um reflect on a few things and, and, and reflect on this holiday season. So if you are um, not really interested in hearing me uh, kind of get a bit introspective and talk about the holidays, I do not blame you at all. You can turn off the episode now and I will wish you a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, a Happy New Year, and thank you so much for listening. And please do Tune in to the uh, I Do Movies Badly Facebook page to see what we have in store for uh, we. I'm using we, the royal we, of course. It's just me here. Um, to see what we have in store for January and for 2020. Are you still with me? Okay. So one thing this movie did do, which uh, I, I've been thinking more and more about, was gotten me to sort of evaluate or reevaluate sort of um what the the holiday the christmas holiday has meant to me and i don't just mean on a larger scale but also on a, on a more personal scale on on this specific christmas because a lot of stuff has happened in the past year um probably the most significant being that i, I got engaged uh and in, in march of next year i will be a a married individual and um Shortly after that, or maybe not too long after that, I may be on the path to fatherhood. And so this Christmas is the last Christmas that will look like it does now. Me recording this podcast in an empty apartment because my fiance is on a train heading home to see her family for the next week. And I will 
shortly be on a train heading home to see my family. In the future, it's not just next year, but it's also in the future, Christmas will look different in the sense of my idea of what family is, what home is, and what that will look like moving forward will be different. And I don't say that in a bad way. Um, I don't say that in uh, a overwhelmingly great way either, um, which is not to say that getting married and, and, and fatherhood and all that kind of stuff is bad, but it's also just changes difficult and different. And so I've been trying to really kind of be present in the past few months, really, to just kind of um, appreciate what I have, where I've been, and also anticipate and be eager about where I'm going to go. Because being an adult and, and, and you know, is, is about change. And, you, and I, I guess I kind of never really realized, uh, you know, or I shouldn't say that. I, I should more say the mile markers of my growing up are never more clear than when it's around the holidays, when it's around Christmas, when there's sort of a, a thing that we've always kind of done and now realizing that that thing is going to be different from now on. And that's exciting. That's scary. Um, I have some fears, and I have some things that I'm really joyous about. And so maybe that's why I responded so well to A Christmas Tale this time, is because there's an acceptance, a, 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 an acknowledgement and an acceptance of the fact that um, people can be complicated and can contain many emotions and many feelings and relationships with each other at the same time. Because this is now, you know, the first time, the first Christmas, and I'm, I'm 35 years old, where it's, the dynamic is not just going to be, here's two adults and their child. It's going to be, here are three adults. And then next year, you know, my fiance and I have talked a little bit about what should Christmas look like next year? Should our families get together? Should we go here? Should we stay there? Um, and so next year, it's, it seems like it's very much going to be here are families spending time together. And so I, I, I've made a, a deliberate effort, and I try to every single year, to be present and to be thankful for what I have. Not because change is bad, but because when this year becomes a memory... When I look back on this year, a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, ten years from now, I don't want to look back and think, man, wasn't that better? Or I wish I had this, or I wish I had done that. I want to appreciate this time and take joy in this time. Because when this Christmas becomes a memory, I want to look back and be thankful that I had this time that I can be eager and excited if and when my soon-to-be wife announces that she's pregnant or that she got a job in a different city. I, I, I want to cherish those memories. I want to cherish that time and be present in that time, in that transitionary time, in those times of change so that when I am at a point in the future, I can look back and think, I'm so happy that that happened because 
I am here now, happy, and that thing had to happen first in order for me to get to this point. So every year I try and, uh, you know, live up Christmas as much as I can, as uh, Ebenezer Scrooge did when he woke up and realized that he was alive and that there was still hope. I try and live each Christmas season to the fullest. Because it's a reminder to me that there is joy in the everyday things, in the large things, in the small things, in crossing the street just so I can walk by the pharmacy selling the Christmas trees outside and smell the pine, something small like that. And also in something big, like kissing my fiance goodbye when she gets on the train and knowing next year, next Christmas, we're going to be a family. Maybe the two of us. Maybe the three of us. But we're going to be a family. And my idea of what family has been, is changing, has changed, will change. And I'm a little bit scared about that. But also excited about that. And now I realize that this is a, a, a message about the Christmas time and the holiday season, which is very specific to my personal experience, and that you listening may not be someone who celebrates Christmas, or Christmas means a bit something different because of a change you've had in your life, a loss you've had in your life, or just some bad memories that, in which seem to come back around this time. Maybe, maybe your family get-togethers aren't like uh, the family from a Christmas tale in the sense of like, well, we're all rascals and we hate each other one moment, but then we love each other another moment. Maybe it's, no, I, I came out as LGBTQIA and I'm not welcome around my family anymore. Or I had a family member who hurt me and I'm having a real hard time and have been having a real hard time forgiving that person. Or maybe you did something and they're having a hard time forgiving you. You know, Christmas, uh, uh, you know, brings out the best in me, but can sometimes bring out the worst for others. So if you are not celebrating this holiday or it means something different to you. Or you just find this season oppressive and annoying. I guess what I want to say to you is my enthusiasm about the holiday season my excitement about peace on earth goodwill towards men and women my buying into the things that movies and companies sell us about uh this is the season of giving this is the season of lights this is um as frank cross says um at the end of his redemption in scrooge you know, for Christmas Eve, for the one day of year of the year, we are the people that we always hoped we would be. I take that to heart, not just for Christmas, but to take that into the year, into the future, into the rest of my livelihood, so that the season of giving peace on earth, goodwill towards men is something which is, pardon the pun, evergreen that I can hopefully spread peace and goodwill and give of myself 
someone who is in a very privileged financially and emotionally position to get so giddy excited about Christmas. I also want to dedicate my life and myself to making sure that that joy can be spread to other people, no matter what their financial situation, their emotional situation, their cultural situation. Whether or not you believe in the Christian idea of what Christmas is, there's still at the heart of it for me this idea of peace, joy, giving, and I want to spread that to other people. There is a phrase that's been ringing around my head since last year, and I've actually looked it up and I've kept the tab open on my uh, Chrome browser on my phone for over a year because of what it has meant to me as a mantra that I want to hang on to to make the spirit of Christmas last all year. And that is this little, I don't know if it's a poem or if it's from a poem. I don't know if it's from a song. I don't know where it is. I just know I heard it at one point and looked it up and I have always loved it. And it's, it's this little line or, or, or stanza, I guess, about Christmas, which is, my heart is wide open tonight for family, kith, and kin. I would not close a single door if love should enter in. I want that to be me. I want that to be me towards my family now, my concept of a future family, to my family in the sense of my brothers and sisters in this city, in this world, in this life. I want my heart to be open to the possibility of love, to spreading it to anyone, no matter what. No exceptions. Christmas has always reminded me of that. It's always kind of been that time of the year where it's like, hey, you know that thing that you promised last year? You gotta, you gotta get back on it. So it's kind of the yearly refresher for me. So I'll fail i will forget it i will get caught up in other things but that is always the thing that i strive to get back to i hope you have a merry christmas i hope you are having a happy hanukkah i hope you have a wonderful happy and healthy new year's i thank you so much for listening to this podcast not just this rambling episode But for this journey that I've been on of exploring cinema, trying to engage in dialogue about cinema, trying to teach about cinema, I'm in a very privileged position, and maybe an egotistical position, in which I think, hey, I'm just going to start this podcast and get it out there because people, of course, want to hear what I'm saying. There's some arrogance there. Fully acknowledge that. And I'm also humbled by the fact that people are saying, yeah, I am interested in what you're saying. So thank you to my listeners. Thank you to the people that chime in, whether it's just a like on the Facebook page, whether it's a a liked tweet, Nolan Fixes Teeth on Twitter, or whether it's an email at youdomoviesbadly at gmail.com. Thank you so much for everything you've done for me this year. I have no idea what 2020 is going to look like, but I enter it 
enthusiastically and eagerly. Thanks for listening, everyone. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 